Now Sonya's here, Dan, I've got to be horrible to you, so apologies in advance for that. No, it was going really well. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking short leg prick. <laughs> I was, uh, I was I was talking to Sarah last night and just going. I think he. I th- no, I actually think he likes me. And, <laughs> yeah, and now, yeah. No, he doesn't. no, no. Yeah, now I'm getting that. Yeah. I was say because you've entered the room, I've got to start being horrible to him now. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Our Hands, the theatrical cut. We're here this week to talk about the works of Sir Ridley Scott. As always, I'm joined by Sonia. Hi, Terry. And to mix things up, we're also joined by Dan from the Mother Pod. Hi, Dan. Hi. I've, I've learnt... Talk in between the air horns. I'll turn it off now. Yeah, probably wise. We're all air horned out yeah. for now. Definitely. So as I said, we're here to talk about the works of Sir Ridley Scott. We're going to do similar to what we did with the Kate Winslet pod. So we're going to just work through all the films that he's directed, not produced. As we mentioned in last week's pod, he's done something like 200-odd films if we use producer credits, and we haven't got time for that. So once we get to a film that we haven't seen or we can't really remember, we're just going to move on. We're not going to dwell on films that we don't really know a lot about. So we're going to do the weekly roundup first, Terry. That's what I was just about to say before right. you jumped in. We're going to start, re- readers, <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> listeners. We're going to start with our weekly roundup. So, are you getting all to... flustered because Dan's here? I oh, know. I feel like I've got to put a proper voice on and all sorts. I feel, got, feel like, like I've got to be professional. Do you feel like you're having an exam? Yeah, I'm being like observed. Your boss is watching you. <laughs> no, 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 don't feel like that at all, readers. If you want to read the transcript, I'll make sure I put it up. Yeah, this is all scripted. None of this is off the yeah, yeah, exactly. We script every sentence. Yeah. We got an Alexa. Well, Lucy got an Alexa, and on the app, it does actually send her little um, transcripts of what we've asked her and what she said in reply. It's kind of fun. Yeah, my nails have got an Alexa. Huh? I don't know how to use it, though. My nails have got one. I don't know how to work it. They just say Alexa and then talk to it. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Genuine request. They wanted <coughs> the Justin Timberlake song, uh, Can't Stop This Feeling, which is off the Trolls soundtrack. The Trolls, Trolls soundtrack. So Alexa, play the Bones song. Mm. And Alexa, unsurprisingly, was unable to fulfil that request. So do you want to hear the funny story of what happened to us yesterday when we unpacked it out of the box? So Lucy said to it, Alexa, play some heavy metal music that Sonia would like. So it said, playing something from blah, 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 whatever record station. It started playing Evanescence. And I went, fuck off, Alexa, that's bedwetting music. And Alexa turned around and said... Sorry, I can't find any bedwetting music. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, I've had her out of the box for five minutes. You've Amazing. already ruined her. FYI, Alexa, I don't like Evanescence. You can <clears throat> stick that up your hoop. <laughs> right, weekly roundup. Who's going first, me or you? I always start, so why don't you start this week? Song? Okay, then. Well, I, if I'm honest, I haven't seen many films in the last two weeks because the only films I've watched are to do with the pod. Because so Ridley Scott likes a long film, doesn't he? Um, I've only really got those to talk about. The only film I've seen um, post-pod um, is The Meg. Dun, is, dun, dun. So this might be quite a good time to talk about The Meg because I saw it with uh, Dan. Hello. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> I was not there. You were on your <clears throat> holiday. Um, I and wasn't. You s- Oh, yeah, we went when you got back. You um, did. And you weren't going to tell me you were going. Oh, I found out after last we time's recording. Um, Still a little bit bitter. 
So, I th- yeah, I thought we could have a little chat about the Meg, because obviously you and I haven't discussed it yet. We've not talked about it at all. Um, I have obviously subsequently seen it. Me and Steve went. Yeah, super fan Steve. Um, what, what did you think of it, Terry? Because we were big Steve fans, aren't we? And we were excited about going to see the Meg. I was excited. I don't know that it lived up to what I thought hoped it would be but it lived up to what I thought it was going to be I thought it was an enjoyable shit good film I would dub it Jason Statham's first rom-com because I think one of the overriding things is this weird relationship between him the woman that he fancies and the daughter what are those sexy eyes he does at the daughter yes <laughs> pedo eyes yeah right at the end and it is probably like he's going to do the daughter and the <coughs> mother isn't he it just it felt wrong <laughs> Um, I never. That's not what I got from it. I just well, thought it was a bit creepy. It was very creepy, but no, I enjoyed. It. So I, I was let down by the fact that he didn't call the megalodon a muglodon. I know. Which I think, and he at no point throws a punch at the megalodon. I, mm. I, yeah, I felt that's exactly the same I way. Wanted. I thought, when is he going to punch this fucking shark? He didn't. He didn't even ride the shark. I thought there'd be maybe a bit where he's holding onto the like some fin. reins. Yeah, yeah. Some it's, kind of shark saddle. Mark yeah. Kermode described it as when he saw the trailer, Jason Statham shark puncher. Um, and he said that's what was what he's looking forward to. Yeah. But yeah. it just never happened. There was no. no point where it was Jason Statham versus a shark, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah. I feel like the trailer sold it as like a proper sort of campy comedy, which it just wasn't. Mm. And also while we talk about the Meg, <coughs> on last week's pod I <coughs> mentioned how Ruby Rose <coughs> might be someone whose films I would look out for at they won't be. She is <laughs> fucking awful in this film. I, I, I didn't There's a bit where she has to cry. Oh, that was and terrible. It is Horrendous. So horrendous. Me, me and my me and my dad have this uh, this little sort of saying that we have for when we watch films and people do shit fake crying. Years and years ago, when we used to watch Neighbours, you remember Joe Mangle? Yeah. And his son Toby Mangle, and Toby, the actor who played Toby, had to cry at something, and it was the shittest bit of acting we'd ever seen. I mean, okay, it was just a little boy, but it was so so shit. And now, if me and my dad see anyone doing really shit acting, we go, "Oh, he must have gone to the Toby Mangle School of Drama." <laughs> Ruby Rose went to the Toby Mangle oh, she, School of Drama. She was awful. <clears throat> the crying um, was a particularly poor highlight, but yeah, she just wasn't very good in this film at all. I think it's just she is in films that I'm interested in, but yeah, she is not of interest. It's made a ton of money though. Yeah, well, um, yeah. the thing I didn't realise, apparently it's based on a book. Really? Like it's a series of books. Pop-up book. And if it does, the next book <laughs> is called Megalodon 2, Hell's Aquarium. <laughs> I was going to say, Megalodon 2, good title. No. Hell's Aquarium, and it's something along the lines That's of they cool managed title. to get them yeah. into some sort of Jurassic Park-esque aquarium, and obviously shit goes down again. Mm. I mean, you'd imagine it would get a sequel. I mean, I thought some of the shark stuff was quite cool. The sharks looked pretty cool. The mm. whole bit under that weird film thing so it was in the the new bottom of the ocean was kind of cool but do you want to know what I thought of it no (laughs) go on then Uh, I thought it was boring Uh, yeah it didn't live up it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be there was some bits but yeah I I can I can see that side of things I just didn't it just didn't do anything for me I was disappointed because it's the Stafe and I wondered if there was something happening is it the Stafe's rampage um Maybe. The Stave Skyscraper. No, it's not the Stave Skyscraper. <laughs> must be it the might biggest. Be his rampage. Must, must be the biggest film he's been the lead actor in today. Yeah, maybe. I would have thought so, yeah, monetary yeah. wise. Like, there was yeah. just something about him. I think it was you, Dan, was saying that he. he He's a bit should have, played, should have played it straight or should have played it funny, but. I don't. I, I, don't, quite know what, yeah. I don't quite know what they were going for. No. Um. 
when I came out of it, I just felt really disappointed. And if I'm honest, I think I nodded off a couple of times. That mean that's not like oh. you in films. No. No, I never nod off. No. Um, but I don't normally nod off to the safe. Come on. No, it was there was an odd tone to it because there's a whole thing of like that <coughs> prologue where like he basically sacrifices two of his mates mm. to save some people, and then yeah, he's giving funny eyes to a little Chinese girl. And funny eyes. Ran with <laughs> giving her the funny <coughs> eyes. He's going to be on the He was a bit racially soon. insensitive, just no. in case anyone. <laughs> oh was my god, I didn't even put two together. He was raising his eyebrows. Um, and then I think Ran Wilson was, was an odd character as well, the sort of billionaire, what's it? He's meant to be Elon Musk, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but the thing I, thing I found with it was, yeah, it was a bit boring. I thought the script must have been dreadful. Mm. Um, and you don't need a particularly brilliant script for that to work. I thought the visuals were good. Mm thought some of the character choices were interesting but like so the visuals were when I don't want to spoil it there's a bit when there's a lot of people in the water well that's in the trailer yeah it? okay yeah where it's on the beach looks really cool um but the, the, the weird there's a weird timeline to it like that it's taken virtually no time to get to the shore but then spends a good hour at the shore yeah. right and it, it feels like people are swimming away from an apex predator basically yeah, and that felt a bit weird. And I'm not saying it's not very realistic. I'm saying that it it just yeah it the, was odd because there were times where he'd it would swim somewhere very quickly, and then yeah. other times it would take forever for it to get there. Yeah. And the other sort of things going into factual things, the bends apparently don't exist in this film either because they come from eleven thousand feet down and they just get out. They, they don't yeah. decompress or anything like that. There's Their a heads lot would explode in real life. There's there's a lot of. Um, <clears throat> submarines that have clearly just been put together for I mean I don't know when is it set in the future like in the near future I think or? it's set like five years because I think the prologue is set now mm. and then it goes to like five years later where he's he's a drunk on the beach or whatever yeah we're mending boats yeah. yeah shall we move on yeah, yeah. so Fair just enough. a weird to show my OCD because <clears throat> Steve found this very funny oh, yeah. so when I went to go and see the Meg I went up to the ticket booth thing put him a number and no tickets came out and then, so I was like, oh, fuck, we're running late. I'll just have to use the pass on my phone. But apparently when you print your tickets, that clears on your phone. So you can't like, give someone your tickets and then use that. There was massive queues. So I had to queue up. He basically let me in with the picture that I take of my email. As you so know, you haven't got a ticket? No. So as you know, Sonia, I have a pop for my yeah. tickets. And I was properly antsy about what I was going to do. On the way out, I booked a ticket for the Meg for the <laughs> next day. And printed it. Printed it out. And then... So I've got a Meg ticket in my pot. And Steve was just like, what? I, I needed to do I wouldn't this. have been able to sleep. No. If that was me, if I didn't have the ticket, I'd have been tossing and turning. Because he was like, I can, the guy thing was like, I can get you one, but like you've got a queue up. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm going to miss the film. He was like, if you can go in on that. And I was just panicking about what I was going to do. And yeah, because obviously you'd be having an unlimited card. It didn't cost me anything to get an extra ticket. So yeah, I, I booked a ticket for the next day. And That's I could amazing. I could sleep safe at night knowing that my family wouldn't be killed by the thing that lives under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> that was made up. <clears throat> was it? Uh, right. So, besides, so have you not watched um, anything else then? Simon? No, only um, Sir Ridders films. But I did go to uh, France for a couple of days. Yeah, you did. And I went to Cannes just to pop in. Cause yeah, my we saw that on there. the Insta. Um, I just thought it was relevant, you know, as we talk about films, and I went to the place where the uh, biggest film festival in the world is held. Um, obviously, the film festival wasn't on when I got there, but I went to the red carpet, and I saw the handprints and the floor, and I saw various other bits. I did put my face in a um, Star Wars cutout thing. 
but it meant I was Anakin Skywalker. So Ooh, I, yeah, ugh. I just, I just. Made, Why have they even got that out? I just made a face and left. Um, what France? Yeah, <laughs> in disgust. <clears throat> um, but I did. Um, you might have seen on the um, on the Instagram. I did find the uh, majestic hotel where all the film stars stay when they have the um, film festival on. And I tried to find the the price of a room but obviously during festival week it's all booked up you can't try and book a week and during the week of my birthday there's some kind of technology conference on there so you can't book my birthday so I booked us a week um after my birthday yeah but I think I told you the price it's Mm. only 32 grand is that bed and breakfast um I don't think breakfast is included I think there's an extra supplement of 12 euros a day for the breakfast (laughs) um <laughs> don't don't forget the three euros a day city tax, um, but um, that's for five five nights, um, third week of October. I've booked it down and mm. I've I've taken it out petty cash. I've just left a slip in for it. <laughs> sure, no problem. Yeah. I owe you. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this now because I'm going to go rob a bank. So back but that's, yeah, that's all I did. I went to, uh, I also went to the Heavy Music Awards, but that's probably... Uh, that's for another pod. That's for another pod, yeah. That was fucking amazing. Was it good? Oh, God. So, so good. Just look at Mallory underscore listens if anyone gives a shit. But it was amazing. I had a mate who went. Whose podcast you should listen to, actually? Uh, Punks in pubs. Yeah, I will pubs. listen because yeah. he's going to have the Fever 333 yeah, yeah. on it, which is the best band I've heard all year. They, they, I, I looked them up after I saw them on yours and Richard's Instagrams, and there yeah, they look really good. The Are they best, better than Evanescence? Hmm. The best live show I've seen all hmm. year, and you know how much I love Frank Carter. He's my favourite front man, and I said to Rich, I said, I think I've just found someone's arrival, Frank <laughs> Carter. I didn't think anyone was ever going to top that. I want to see the two of them do a live collaboration, and I could probably watch it and die happy cool. on the spot. Would you just like die of dehydration? Uh, yeah. Why am I dehydrated? <coughs> because you're oh. excited. Because <laughs> I gushed yeah. so much. <laughs> Terry used the visual medium. <laughs> <coughs> sure. You'd just be spraying. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, films. That's even made. That's even made me feel a bit sick. Um, Moving on. Terry, what did you see these last two weeks? Uh, so I, I also went on holiday, not to anywhere as fancy as Nice. I just went to Weymouth. Lovely little caravan on a haven campsite. Had a lovely had a lovely old time. Best fish and chips I've had in a long time. Mm. So I've watched a, not many films again, because it's mainly been the Ridders. But I watched uh, Hidden Figures again, which nice. obviously we mentioned last week. I definitely think that would now be in my top five female ensembles. I think that would edge Annihilation. Uh, just... A great film. I won't talk about it because we talked about it last week. I watched the film Trolls. Oh, I've got that to watch. Yeah. Is it good? Quite good, yeah. I think it looks all right when I bought it. I watched it mainly because Daisy likes the music videos with the minutes, so we thought we'll get the film. And, she, and she, she was okay with it. But no, it's got quite a nice message to it. It's got a lot of famous people doing the voices, as is the usual thing. But no, it's actually quite good. Justin's uh, in it. He is, yeah. He's a, <clears throat> he's a troll who doesn't like being a troll. He's not a shiny and glitzy. And Anna Kendrick's also in it. I think she'd possibly be on my list of people that would make me watch a film as well. Okay. Uh, I watched The Death of Superman, which is a DC animated film, which surprisingly is about the death of Superman when Doomsday turns up. Yeah, really it really spoils the ending there, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> and it is much better than Batman vs Superman. Because that's what Batman vs Superman's based on, pretty much, as well. Because it's got Doomsday in it, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and Zack Snyder tried yeah. to say, oh yeah, no, I haven't given everything away in the trailers. You've put Doomsday in the trailers, you've given everything away. Yeah, exactly, away. yeah. Uh, I also watched 
No, sorry, I've just timed out. That is a Ridley Scott film. I rewatched The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Tidy. Yeah. The one thing I noticed this time watching it because. Yeah. Um, no. I have the soundtrack. You've just killed me. I think. Yeah. <laughs> It's not that one, then. You killed me. No, no, it's, it, uh, don't worry, but just cut, Sonia. You'll be all right. I'm cutting out bits of paper. Dan asked me to mute, but I muted the wrong person. Yeah, we'll just deal with it. So, yeah, yeah. the thing I noticed, because <laughs> I have the soundtrack on in the car all the time. The sound- so do we. The soundtrack isn't them singing in the film. I think they've obviously sung for the film live, like they did for Les Miserables, and then they've got into a studio and recorded the soundtrack. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, but I'd never noticed it with any other one before. But this watching it again, I think the actual film is much better than the soundtrack. But mm. just thought that was something interesting to say. But I absolutely love that film. It's still brilliant. Uh, so yeah, saw the Meg. Uh, and then Dan and I had a little trip out yesterday. We did. We went down to the BFI IMAX in London. Dan drove. It was a lovely journey. And we saw The Dark Knight on IMAX. And a film that I didn't think... I could love any more. I love even more because on that big screen, if you've never been to the IMAX in London, as they told us, yeah. in a very non-Dark Knight-esque voice, the, the girl who was talking, she had such a high-pitched voice. And now the Dark Knight! She, she came out and she said, uh, who's excited to watch the Dark Knight? Yeah. And then someone went, yeah. That's, come on, are you excited? It's like, fuck off. Four love. people then went, yeah, and they go, and don't forget to take, don't forget yeah. to take your rubbish out. Who's excited to see, who's going to take their rubbish out? Yeah. Not anymore, I'm not. So, been on the floor. I'm sure last time I went, the IMAX was the, lo- when we, me and you, Sonia, went, it was the largest screen in Europe. It's now only the largest screen in the UK. It's obviously someone in the, Piece uh, of crap. someone in the Europe has gazumped them. Someone in the Europe. The Europe. <laughs> the Europe. Yeah. Um, so we have to call it now after Brexit. But <laughs> just, absolutely phenomenal obviously we've done a podcast separately mm. about it but seeing it in IMAX this, most of the IMAX stuff is like the cityscapes where the camera's obviously like on a helicopter going through and it's like vertigo inducing how amazing that looks and how beautiful it is M- made me fall in love with Chicago again like it, it becomes Gotham becomes more of a character in the film it's really weird like you start noticing where things are like in relation to things going on like buildings and and you start you start being able to piece things together a bit more it's, it's amazing just just absolutely astounding and and as we said about the sound in there was oh my God, yeah. things you hear the bit where he's shooting the guns at the yeah. bricks so he can get the stuff from it is just absolutely yeah. deafening you absolutely you feel for alfred yeah, where he, yeah. With his quip about don't think you've made it loud enough yeah. Uh, so yeah, won't go to too much. But if you do get the chance to see it in IMAX at the BFI IMAX, then please do it. it was, I think it was eighteen quid for a ticket. It was an absolute steal. Hmm. And as we found out, it's actually not that hard to drive to. No, not on a Saturday. Not on a Saturday. Obviously, no congestion charge. Uh, and then finally, the wife and I decided we we're going to watch Dark Knight Rises afterwards. A lot of people don't like that film. I don't think it's as good as the Dark Knight. Obviously, I actually really like Bane. I like Tom Hardy's portrayal of Bane. I like the voice. I, I do as well. That's one thing I want. I like. I like Tom Hardy's voice. Yeah. Um. Some of his puns, maybe a bit. Yeah. Some of the dialogue. <laughs> but I think the best thing in it by a million miles is Anne Hathaway. Hmm. I think she is outstanding. There's one scene where she flips from damsel in distress to like kicking people's asses back into damsel in distress, and it's just. But she does it just with her eyes, and she's just phenomenal in that film. I, I'm not we had a whole podcast on me not liking The Dark Knight Rises and it was me versus Russ because Russ loves it yeah so I'm 
I lost the argument is the long and short of it. So I'm no longer allowed to say that I don't like The Dark Knight Rises. And I lost the argument because we ended by playing a clip, Mark Kermode talking about how much he loves it. And Russ then brought up how much I love Mark Kermode. And I was like, no, but I still don't like it. And he goes, but Mark Kermode loves it. So, and that was what tipped it over. So I don't, I'm not a big fan. It but took me, I remember see, the first time seeing mm. the cinema, I came out and I was disappointed. I was yeah. like, oh, there was so much they could have done. But then every time I watch it again now, I just think it gets better and better. There are there's issues with it. Mm. I think there's things that could have been done better, and there's characters in it that are a bit like wishy-washy. But no, I think it's a fantastic film. There's if, yeah, I mean the film itself isn't awful, but it's it's when it's going up against the Dark Knight, you're yeah. always, always on to a loser. The, the, it's the escalation, like it just all of a sudden goes from uh, the stakes in the Dark Knight are relatively low, whereas the stakes in Dark Knight Rises are massive. Oh yeah, um, it's literally the entirety of yeah. Gotham on the line. Um, which is what's supposed to happen anyway. And it's, it's what happens in a lot of the Batman comics. You look at, um, weirdly enough, the Dark Knight Returns comic. It starts off with um, just Batman in like a cloth suit up yeah. against like thugs. And by the end of it, he's uh, driving a tank in to fight Superman. And that's yeah. all about the escalation of it. And, yeah. and, and Dark Knight Rises is a bit like that. I have issues with things like the Robin thing just don't oh don't yeah bother. that didn't need yeah. to be done but that was just fan service yeah. wasn't it anything to say about the Dark Knight Rises son no I fucking haven't can we move on I'm Sorry. well bored Sorry. right well that brings us on to the main meat <laughs> of the podcast so oh hang on do you want to I've talk done about... stuff oh god <laughs> oh fucking strap hell. in it's, not, it's got to be film related yes film related just don't want to yeah. hear about fucking NFL or no, no nothing NFL related oh, okay so I watched some films I watched Spy Dump Me Oh yeah, oh, tell yeah. us about that. I was meant to go and see that, but I forgot we'd booked the tickets with and the made Beyonce plans. of the government. The Beyonce of the government. She's great in it. Um, oh, fucking love her. It's not. I don't. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Um, it I think Kate like Mark very Kermode funny. hated it. Is it no, not? Yeah. Is it not Oscar worthy? It's definitely not Oscar worthy. A lot of the jokes have been done before in other things. Um, that's not the end of the world. But it, it, Kate McKinnon's really good in it. Um. It just seems to jump all over the place a bit. <clears throat> um, and as I say, some of the jokes have been done before and done better in other things. But but yeah, Kate McKinnon's really good in it. Mila Kunis is really good in it. I laughed a fair bit, which means that, you know, I must have enjoyed it a fair did amount. Did it pass the six, la- six laugh I test? mean, I, I think it did, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed Mark it enough. Mark he, he, he thought it was really boring, yeah. But um, uh, other than that, I watched Kingsman, the second one, Golden Circle today. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Really liked it, yeah. I've heard so it. I was, shit. I was surprised how much I enjoyed Elton John's performance. Yeah, Elton John's great in it, yeah. Um, but I, It's not as good as the first one. But. No, no. The first one's still better, but then I, I really loved the Statesman stuff as well. And I was, uh, yeah, to comments of, yeah, you would. But um, it's got Jeff Bridges. You can't argue with Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges playing like a typical Southern gentleman as yeah. well, and he's really good in it. Uh, other than that, watch Jigsaw. The latest Saw film. Do you That's own it? Not very good. No, it's on Netflix. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'll give that a watch then. It's yeah, it, it's more just torture porn, really, isn't so it? I think mm. for fans of the series, there's probably something in there. But yeah. if, you, if you're not into Saw, then yeah, it's not going to get you into horror films. No, definitely not. Uh, other than that, Ridley Scott films. So yeah, that's it. I just remembered uh, something else which I've been doing. So one of the reasons I haven't watched many films is because I finally finished watching Brooklyn Nine Nine on Netflix. So I've finished yeah. series four. Um, and as you know, I've been watching a lot of that. Is that the rain? Yeah. Um, as you know, uh, Terry, because I mention it every episode, I've been watching that a lot. 
Um, and it's come to an end now, so I had to find something else to watch on Netflix. I had to find another show. Terry? Yeah. So I just went back to the start of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I've started <laughs> I've done again. it so many times. Yeah. That's, you straight need to watch away. it. I yeah, straight away. I literally hmm. watched the last episode and went back to the start because I wanted to meet them again as I know them now. Can I suggest you a TV series? Uh, yeah. Well, you've got to say The Fucking Expanse. I'm not interested. The start, watch The Expanse. is brilliant, but that's oh, not what I was going to so suggest. I'm sick of hearing about it. The Good Place is one of the funniest. That's on my list to watch. It's amazing. Oh, no. I'll tell you what I did watch. We watched an episode of The Innocents yesterday because it's got Guy Pearce in it. Any good? Yeah, it was really good. Well, no, with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I've watched the first two and it hasn't grabbed me. Well, you're not doing it right then. It's, well, probably too, it's probably too clever for him, to be fair. Possibly. You need to watch in like episodes of like six episode blocks, weirdly. Uh, I think I was watching it on my lunch on mm. my iPad. I think part of it is because you guys have built it up so much. I was like, oh, this is okay. But I was expected to be like pissing myself, which I haven't done as of yet. When I got in the other night. Um, and Piss I yourself. <laughs> standard. Yeah, cool. But it's okay because I wear a pad. Cool. Um, I, before I went to bed, um, I watched the Mumps episode again. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Balthazar has a sister. But, um, yeah. <laughs> just laughing the whole way through. It's just amazing. It's great feeling like a third wheel on your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch it. <laughs> you got to watch it. It's such a great episode. I've watched that episode so many times. If there was a TV series of too much time on our hands, it's probably Brooke. We, we talk about it all the bloody time on... Uh, if there was a TV episode of this, yeah, TV series of it's like if you would say this is the TV series that sponsors too much time. Oh, on I thought you meant that we were like characters in it. I was going to say, no. who would you be? Uh, Boyle, probably. Yeah, I would have you as Boyle. Who would I be? Scully. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> who would Terry be? Don't say Terry. He's no fucking Terry. Is that Terry Crews? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think we've got a likeness. <laughs> who would Terry be? Um, I mean, Terry has got young children. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to think about it because you're definitely not. Well, if I'm Scully, he's Hitchcock. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Scully and Hitchcock. There we yeah. go. Which one's Hitchcock? Adam Sandberg. He's, well, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you like. <laughs> okay, so we've all described you... ourselves as the three most repulsive characters <laughs> in it. <laughs> Excellent. Brilliant. No, Boyle's all right. Anyway. Yeah. Right, what are we moving on to now, Terry? Are we doing the bulk of it? Yeah, now we're on to Sir Ridders. I'm still snipping, so I'm going to continue to snip away. So we're going to work our way through the films of Sir Ridders, um, skimming over the ones we haven't seen. The first one on the list, his first film, none of us have seen, so we're going to go straight on to the second film on the list. I don't know if anyone's seen it. We're not going to mention what his first film actually was. The Duelists. Moving on. (laughs) so we're going to go straight to the second film on the list from 1979 has anyone seen it Alien I may have seen it once on a cloudy evening in the middle of the night I might have seen it w- once or twice uh, I meant to I just watched the Alien vs Predator ones instead yeah yeah yeah. I mean they're better yeah definitely Yeah. yeah. more action in it so yeah, what, do you- what do we think of uh, Alien then guys fucking brilliant there you go <laughs> <laughs> there's not much more it's I mean, it started a genre, really. I was going to say, it's genre-defining. Yeah. Because the thing is, as well, with some... with uh, Not in the hands of a director like Ridley Scott, who is a director who has a clear vision, as you can see, as we'll talk about in many Mm. of his films, he has a vision of how he wants something to look, how he wants something to feel. This could have been a really shit B-movie in the vein of The Meg, but Mm. in space. Oh, man, that's the next one. Maybe. Yeah. Machete in space. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> against the xenomorph um but yeah you just 
it's because it wasn't a big budget film mm. but it's all in the details it's all in the HR Geiger stuff all of that that the aesthetic the it sort of started in Star Wars the sort of old future because up mm. until those points everything set in the future it was brand spanking new it was shiny whereas in this it's dark it's leaking it's broken you've got people that are paid to fix it and they're not happy because they're always fixing it but they don't get as many shares as everyone else mm. yeah um, and it's just you get that real sort of real world feeling and it just happens to be on a spaceship in the middle of space they it, it feels all very gaffer taped if that makes any sense yeah. so even to the point of any kind of weaponry in that film is is well they it, fudged it isn't, exactly, aren't they because yeah. they're not they're not a, an armed ship they're I mean, they're bringing ore, aren't they, mm. back to Earth? But it's, it's the first example of many of his ability to create worlds that you want yeah. to you want to know more about. Well, that's it. And every film that followed, all the other Avengers mm. kept that aesthetic. Yeah. They kept the dark, the grim, the KY jelly. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of <laughs> wet look. I mean, even even he said without Geiger or Giga, as he yeah. described it, he, uh, it, it's it's not the same. Terry and I mm. saying it wrong. No, apparently he says Giga. I say Geiger. Let's, Let's call, call the, the whole, whole thing, thing off. off. <laughs> Yay! Um, it's <clears throat> it, it's another it's one of his masterclasses in uh, repressing senses as well. So yeah. like you don't see the alien for most of that film. Yeah, and it's you, tiny. Yeah. Although if you watch the director's cut, you see it a bit earlier. Yeah, that's fair. But it, and, and, and it looks scary even when you see it. And it's, it's, it's such yeah. an iconic um, like baddie, isn't it? Yeah. It's just such such an amazing look. I mean, we never just we just never seen anything like that. We haven't really seen a an alien like it since. No, it's just the fact that it was like unfeeling, un, mm. well, say unthinking, but clearly it was thinking. But it's just it is a killing machine. It's not there's nothing else it wants to do other than survive by killing everything, and that's what I liked about he, it. He well. he does this whole thing of um, the 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 scene that sticks in my head is when she's crawling through the vent. And you've got the alarm going off. You've got smoke coming out. And smoke is another big thing of Ridley Scott films. Nearly every film seems to have a smoke machine in it at some point. Um, and she's crawling. She can't see anything. And we can't see anything. And it just makes the whole thing even scarier. Um, and it's, it's not like Jaws. You don't see the shark because it looks shit. You don't see the alien. It was done alien. for suspense. For yeah. Reasons, yeah. And when you see it, it's that is terrifying. When it comes for Dallas and it's just a... <laughs> yeah. So going back to what you were just saying, Dan, about her crawling through the vents mm. and it being all smoky and you can't yeah. really see anything, that comes from um, Ridley Scott is apparently really yeah. claustrophobic yeah. and he wanted to create that claustrophobic feel. He does feel. it a lot, to be fair, as mm. well. He wanted, but it, you really do get a feel mm. of it um, No, it does, Even like the whole film. ship feels tiny, Yeah, even though it looks like a fucking massive ship. And just like the handling of everything, like obviously the famous chest burst mm. scene one of the few shots where it's actually brightly lit everything is virtually white so that the blood really pops on it and just so well done I mean apparently they didn't tell half the cast what was going to yeah. happen or how it was going to happen and that's why all of them are screaming their heads off like the the other woman whose name I don't know who got blood all over her face she's screaming for real because she didn't know that was about to happen it, it's such the aesthetic not just of the alien uh, when of the, the alien ship as well with the space jockey that it, there's been so much talked about right up until Prometheus which we'll talk about at some point yeah we'll get to it um, and th the aesthetic of the ships what they're wearing they're space truckers and it really feels like they're space yeah. truckers uh, it, it just it's so iconic um, and you could look at a set of Alien and go that's a set of Alien in the same yeah. way that you can watch New Hope the intro to New Hope um, talks about with Rogue One at the end of Rogue One you go I know where this is going now because yeah. you recognise the set and you could do that with Alien as well and it, 
and it gave us Ripley. Yeah, yeah I was one of the most iconic characters say, if you ever. Going through his films, he is quite big on female leads and f- that strong female characters, which won't go through too much because mm. we'll go through it as we hit his other films. Mm. But yeah, Ripley, because again, this film played with expectation because obviously watching it now, it's not that big a surprise that it's Ripley, etc. Mm. But people going in watching it back then. They thought Dallas was the lead. Yeah. Like, him dying was like, fucking hell, where is this film going? Apparently, Ridley Scott, the original ending that he wanted to film, mm. the alien kills everyone. Yeah. And then records a message in Dallas's voice saying that everything's fine, we're on our way. And then it ends with the xenomorph piloting the ship essentially back to Earth. Well, we'll get to more of that later than we're And the studio that. said, fuck off. <laughs> But even then, it showed like that Ridley had a vision of how he mm. wanted things to happen. Because as you say, that sort of comes back again. I mean, the first thing to mention about Ridley Scott is he's not a writer. No. So he's very much a director's director. But you know a Ridley Scott film when you see it, if that makes any sense. Although there's some films on here, I was like, I didn't know he directed that. Um, he storyboards everything. So he knows exactly what everything he wants to look like. And we've already mentioned aesthetics. We've already mentioned claustrophobia, how he uses... Uh, sound and vision to to help that with that as well and Alien is the first film where you go yeah this is definitely a Ridley Scott film it was only his second film it's crazy I mean, yeah. up to, I mean uh, with the aesthetic and stuff and the storyboard and obviously he did a lot of commercials and a lot of music videos so I guess yeah. that's where because they're obviously very especially like he did perfume commercials which yeah. they're just fucking mental most of the time yeah. they, you have no idea what they're advertising but no I think this is I don't think there's anything bad about this film I don't no. think there's anything you could go back and improve I don't think there's an actor you can put in a role that would be better than the person that's in it I just think near perfection in a film if mm. not perfection in a yeah. film and it's turned sci-fi genre on its head again first yeah. haunted house well it might not be the first but it's definitely the first good haunted house in space film pretty much yeah I mean god knows how many times it's been like ripped off and yeah. done over and over again but yeah the original and the best like even sorry one last thing but even the the tagline in space no one can hear you scream is just a terrifying thought in itself yeah. just brilliant. why not hmm? um just you using that tagline reminded me of something okay cool um right we done yep done with alien yep. um next one on the list i don't know if dan's got anything to say about this from 1982 right. a film called blade runner i mean it's not a bad run is it <laughs> it's from unreal. alien creating a world and all that and then moving on to Blade Runner where completely creating another another world although I think you could see a connection if you mm. wanted to like again dark grimy things not working properly I mean it rains a lot in Blade Runner as yeah. well which possibly it would rain in Alien if there were clouds yeah. Um, but yeah go on go on Dan yeah so that's another thing once again the rain is, is another kind of like auditory visual suppressant so Everything is so well lit because it's all lit by neon. He wanted to make it feel really dark, really grimy, really lived in, much like Alien. And that's a connection you got there as well. There's a lot of silhouettes, which is a part of like the film noir genre, which is what it is. It's a mm. film noir film set in the future. So once again, taking sci-fi, turning it on its head and making what is now a genre, neo-noir. Um, it's, it's one of my favourite films. And the more I watch it, the more I fall in love with it. Uh, are we talking theatrical cut, original cut, director's cut, the final cut? <laughs> final cut. Final, final cut, cut or director's cut, because final cut and director's cut are the only ones where um, Deckard is definitely a replicant. So in the original theatrical cut, he's got a voiceover, which yeah. 
they didn't want yeah. to put into the, the studio and made them exactly. put that in. And they take out the unicorn dream as well, which yeah. means that the ending makes no sense whatsoever. So it, so I was I was going to pose that as a question, is Deckard a replicant or not? You're definitely on the side of he is a replicant. Yeah, ha- Harrison Ford's the only one that seems to think he's not. And, <laughs> and he's he still been in thinks, a film. Yeah, He still thinks that, despite Blade Runner 2014. Exactly, as well. yeah. So yeah, but I, I'm I'm pretty certain he is. Like even even Ridley Scott's now said that he's oh he's always a said isn't he? yeah he's of course he's a replicant. How it came about is really interesting though because is it though? Yes, <laughs> yeah. So that one of them um, there's a line with Gaff when he says yeah you did that like a real man or something like that, and so there was two writers and Ridley Scott, and one of them goes, oh my god, Deckard's a replicant, and the guy didn't even think about that, but he was it was just like a throwaway line. So no one takes credit for making Deckard a replicant because he's not in the, the equivalent character in uh, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, uh, the Philip K. Dick thing, which I've never read, by the no. way, because I don't really read. Um, Philip K. Dick's really hard to read. Yeah, it's, I've, I've tried uh, a couple of his uh, pieces, but uh, it's, it, it was their decision to make him a replicant, and it, it just came from, no, it came from a throwaway line as well, which is, is amazing. And there's so many. The it's such is, a great world. With that, yeah. it's. I feel like a film made now. Ten minutes in, you go, "Oh, he's a replicant." Yeah. But like again, that film sort of set the bar for that sort of twisty turn. Whereas mm. now, that's like a basic thing to have in it. But yeah, it's just. I get what I really like with Blade Runner is like the villains aren't really villains. Yeah. They're just misunderstood, and it's. Almost like the thing of humans feeling that they're better than everything else. Like, oh, you're a replicant, so you're not worthy. Mm. And it's all about, oh, we've got to hunt them down and kill them because they're not worthy. But it's like, with Batty, it is like, is he, like, he's he's lived a life, he's done mm. work for humans. Like, what's the problem with him wanting to actually exist? Has the best line in the film as well. So, like, right at the end has the best line in the film, hands down. Oh, his little with speech. A, I've seen things, yeah, I can't, I'd never remember it. Would Fires. all disappear like tears yeah. in rain. Yeah, exactly. Which apparently yeah. he ad-libbed. Yep, and then at the end of time to die, and then just yeah. dies. While he's running around Spoilers. in a pair of Lycra sport yeah. shorts. But it's it's such a great film. Um, we talked about Dark Knight in 70 mil, and that would be, this year's really been a, a year of getting back into film for me, um, which has been lost for the last couple of years for, for whatever reasons. Um, going to see Dark Knight was one of those in 70 mil was one of those oh yeah this is something I needed to do to tick a box mm. the Blade Runner secret cinema thing was another one which was just astounding where I basically for a few hours got to live in the world of Blade Runner and it was unreal how Dream many prostitutes country. did you sleep with? Um, no but I did get I didn't no, no prostitutes but I did get a stripper at a job in a, in a, a bar because you get to give you tasks when you go in there and so you know the one I can't remember a name in the clear coat that he's he's chasing with down the, the snake. Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get her a job. Like that, I, I had to get her a job in the bar. So uh-huh. it went so it leads onto that. Really, really. Cool. If you'd failed, would like the game have just stopped? No, someone else would do it. Okay. <laughs> so I'd imagine she does that like four or five times a night. So, but um, one last thing about Blade Runner for me: the music is incredible. As oh well. God, yeah, the soundtrack's amazing. Just one of my favourite sci-fi universes, and it's, it's inspired so many other universes. So many like other... Like what? Uh, well, weirdly enough, you look at video games um, and uh, RPGs and any kind of dystopian future that's not Dune or Mad Max, this is probably the daddy of those films. Mm. I'm not saying it's the first one necessarily, but 
um, games like Shadowrun, for example, or, or anything set in a dystopian future is, is, is inspired by Blade Runner in some one way or another. Mm. Cool. But yeah. Um, and it's funny. I love Harrison Ford, but one of the weakest characters in the film is Deckard. Like, it's everything that's happening around him. Yeah, he's just like the connective tissue, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. And then you've got Gaff in the background, who's amazing, because I love Edward Jens almost anyway. Yeah, he's yeah. great in that. Yeah. Because he, he is like the link of the whole Deckard is a replicant. Yeah, because he's his handler. Origami, yeah. yeah, absolutely brilliant. And I will say this, 2049 is probably as good as Blade Runner. As yeah, well. I was, I mean, this isn't yeah. about this, but yeah. yeah, I was blown away by how much I love 2049 compared to this. The mm. soundtrack again for that is phenomenal. Yeah, Hans Zimmer does his best um, mm. Vangelis impression, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, when I went to see it, I when um, the new one came out, uh, Sydney World played the the first one mm. like the week before. Yeah, I, I was um, meant to go to that. I can't remember why I ended up not going to that. Um, but I've seen it a million times. See, I'd never seen Blade mm. Runner before. I went to see it for the first time at the cinema, and I'm glad I did. It's yeah. like, like um, 2001. I honestly think if I'd have put it on the telly on a Blu-ray, I probably would have been yeah. pausing it a lot because I'm not quite like I mm. enjoyed. The experience on the big screen, mm. but it's not the kind of film I'd just be like, oh, really fancy watching Blade Runner. I'm going to pop that in. I'm not. I'm going to put Back to the Future 3 mm. on. Um, but watching it on a big screen is amazing. But then when I saw the new one, um, and I saw it with Craig, and mm. he's a big Blade Runner fan, and yeah, he me. said exactly the same thing mm. about the music. No, because you didn't mention the music because you have no soul. Um, and he said the same thing yeah. about what you were saying about the soundtrack. Yeah. Like, it really makes it. I yeah. like the Blade Runner films and I really, really enjoyed the original way more than I thought I was going to do, mm. but um, I wouldn't um, put it put it on mm. and watch it excess amount of times like you do because you said about going to see it again recently and I was mm. like, no, I've seen it once, that'll do me. Yeah, I, I've watched it, I think, three times this year and that's unusual, I wouldn't normally watch it. I probably hadn't watched it for a good few years before mm. I went to the secret cinema thing, but yeah, it's amazing. Sweet. We all done with Blade Runner? Yeah, totes good. Totes good. Next one on the list, I know Terry's seen. Uh, from 1985, the film Legend, not the one starring Tom Hardy. Two the, Tom Hardys. Two Tom Hardys. So this film stars a very one. young Tom Cruise. Is it his first mm. film? Yeah, he's got he's got a bit of a monobrow going on. Has he? He really yeah. does. Yeah. Um, Still got the tooth as well. Yeah, the wonky tooth. Yeah. Um, basically running around in a loincloth for most of the <laughs> film. Uh, so I actually rewatched this... Th- this very day mm. um, for the first time in Blu-ray I apparently I've had the Blu-ray for ages and I assumed I'd watched it but I hadn't because the Blu-ray had a director's cut which I'd never seen before mm. so I watched that it is just so good I I have fond memories because it's from my childhood yeah, but it I is, remember seeing it as a it kid it's actually a film that stands up so well so it's this sort of fantasy world Tom Cruise plays Jack who's a sort of lovable scamp who lives in the forest and then I forget her name even though I've only watched it oh Lily Mm. is like a princess who goes to the forest and meets Jack and there's a bit of a love thing going on and Jack wants to impress her so he takes her to show her this unicorn she goes to touch the unicorn this sounds like a euphemism (laughs) (laughs) and Jack's very unhappy doesn't want to touch the unicorn she still does it while she's touching the unicorn a goblin shoots (laughs) kills it and takes its horn and that brings about a massive like change of weather that like, snow comes to this beautiful place um, and basically Darkness who is played fantastically by Tim Curry such an underrated actor he's essentially the devil but he's mm. dark he's got huge horns such an imposing figure he wants to in- 
to bring eternal darkness on the earth and to do that he must destroy innocence which is personified by these unicorns and basically the film is Jack trying to get Lily back because she gets kidnapped by the goblins as well and darkness for some reason mm. falls in love with her possibly because of her innocence because she's like the polar opposite of him and the film is like him trying to woo her to the dark side and Jack trying to get back to her with the help of all these other weird and wonderful goblins and other, other stuff but it's just there's actually a character called Meg in it who is this horrendous swamp witch mm. played by the doctor from Deep Space Nine as well oh, really? Robert Picardo um, and it is just it's I mean I, we had a bit of a conversation on WhatsApp today Sonia about how we horror's our favourite and I said how a lot of my favourite non-horror films have horror elements and mm. I feel like part of the reason I like this film is because it is scary and I like films that don't hold back on the scary if they're going to go they're like mm. the goblins look fucking horrible yeah. Meg looks fucking horrible Darkness looks so horrendously scary and they just don't hold back and again it's that world building that we mm. talked about with Ridley Scott you really believe in this fairy tale world and it's just I've been talking a long time now but yeah no. I absolutely no, it's good. love it's it it's good yeah I agree. It like it, it looks lived in again. Yeah, it, it looks like a fancy universe that's lived in. Um, I saw the theatrical cut, um, which because that's on, that's what's on Netflix, which is an hour and a yeah. half. Yeah, this um, one's like an hour and fifty. Yeah, and it's is meant this on to be Netflix. Yeah, yeah, Legends on Netflix. Yeah, or is it Amazon? It's on whatever. It's no, on I don't Amazon, think it's on yeah. Netflix. I don't think it's on Netflix. Oh, it's Amazon Prime then. Yeah, I watched it on that then. Whatever it is, it's it's the theatrical cut. It's. But the director's cut I've never seen, which is meant to be much, no, much better. No, there was a bit of a little prologue, and it said, like, he thought that the print had been lost because mm. he'd always made a theat. There was a theatrical cut, and he made yeah. a director's cut that he had to turn into the yeah. theatrical cut, and they found it, and that's why it's out. But, I mean, it's, it's got to be a good 20 minutes of extra footage, and it's. I, mean, I, I haven't seen it mm. most recently enough to know what was added. Yeah, yeah. But there's nothing in there but sometimes when you watch the director's cut and you're like oh god that scene really didn't need to be in there there's nothing in this yeah so Tom Cruise it's weird because it's not he can't act but you can tell he's learning his craft in this film yeah it, it, it's it's definitely when you, it's watching the same as watching slow, any other watching actor, him slow yeah. motion shout <laughs> she was she was the actress who played her was 16 at the time apparently she wears a very provocative dress at one yep. point in that film. <laughs> Which is strange. But she's actually very good in it as well. Mm. Being with the sort of... Because she's obviously tempted by the dark side mm. of darkness, but she wants to stay faithful to Jack slash the light. The, the other thing worth mentioning is it's another film where you've got this terrifying villain in it, but you don't see him for a good chunk of the film. No, he, he's in like shadows and yeah. he's got... A hood on and then you see him because he has literally got like they must be three foot horns on yeah. each side of his head there's a story behind it as well apparently which was he Ridley Scott loved Tim Curry yeah. and felt bad about putting him in that, that prosthetic that often so he was like well for a good chunk of the film we'll just see him like from behind yeah. and just yeah so you don't have to put the prosthetics on all the time so yeah. apparently in those days if you wanted someone in prosthetics like Tim Curry because him this and Pennywise yeah too absolutely phenomenal because in this it's just his voice the way yeah. he acts oh, you should rewatch it again Swan I know you'd love it mm. he just gets it yeah, definitely. Tim Curry just gets it doesn't yeah. he yeah. he's I'm a little bit over the bed. top mm. but, but yeah just so so good I absolutely love it yeah same sweet done yeah you're looking at the next one on the list aren't yeah, you a little bit. we're going to skip over one because we haven't seen it and then the next one are we going to say what it is just to be someone to watch over me um, and then the next one is Black Rain I can't remember which one of you said you watched it I believe this is out on Arrow Video you know yeah I believe this it is, is so this release. is a bit of a 
bit of a cult classic. Mm. So yeah. it's Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia. They're NYC cops who arrest. Is it Michael Douglas? Yes. yes. He's the main guy in it. So oh. they arrest. I, I assume he must be from the Yakuza because it ends up in Japan with the Yakuza. They arrest someone and he gets deported mm. slash. What's the word? Extradited. That's the word. Extradited to Japan, and they escort him, and basically shit goes down in Japan. It's a sort of cop drama slash thriller. Um, I mean, something happens fairly early on. That's a bit of a spoiler, which I won't go into. But yeah, so it's just the two of them against the yakuza, basically. Mm. But yeah, again, got a great aesthetic to it. It's very, it's got a real eighties feel to it. That film with the sort of the outfits. Like, I mean, this is like the first film set like in the real world. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like Julius was set back in like the French Revolution and all the other ones have been obviously set in the future or a complete fantasy so this was the first time we've actually seen it or sorry that I've seen mm. that is actually like real world but yeah no I really enjoyed it it won an Oscar oh did it For yeah what? I just looked it up now uh, best sound oh yeah I'm, so. do- I'm doing the Oscar stuff sorry oh. Oh, sorry I'll shut up look, look at my page I'm looking alright sorry Hell done. <laughs> fucking ruins everything he gets involved in, <laughs> doesn't he? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's all I've got on Black Rain. Yeah, I, I saw it years ago, but yeah. I know nothing. Did it about win it. or was it nominated? I thought you got the notes. Well, I'm not asking you. You've just said it won. One best sound. Did it? Yep. Okay. And then it was nominated for best editing as well. Okay. Yep. It's one of my th- favourites of my dad. This film. I've got what it. On, it? I've got an HD DVD. Ooh. Yeah, I know. It was one of those ones that um, when you bought an HD DVD player, and I bought the the little expansion for the Xbox. Yeah, I bought that, and you got like you could pick eight HDs. Yeah, that was one of the ones I picked. Um, I can't remember what I picked. Hulk was one of them. So I guess what I'll do is I'll plug in the old HD DVD player and I'll give it another watch. I'll bend all that off. I've still got them all. I kick still. Don't blame you. What's yeah. next, then, son? I'm just looking up the Black Rain. Um, it was actually just nominated for best sound and best effects. I didn't think my fucking notes were wrong. I'm so, I, it's, it says it won best sound. Where are you on looking? On, we, on uh, IMDb. Yeah, I'm looking on IMDb. Oh, nominee. Well. Yeah, no, no, ignore you me. You fucking retard. <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> we're never having him on again. Just rip oh. those notes up. So you're going to have to sellotape them back together. I'm so furious. So at this stage, I'd just like to say of all the films we've talked quietly. about. Yeah. Shh. Um, the change. only the only film um, when Terry and I talk about awards we're only really talking about the Oscars because who really cares there's too many it? others yeah um, so the only film so far that's won an Oscar is Alien not surprisingly it won Best Effects um, was that other... a famous effects house was that like Stan Winston or don't know I don't know maybe Dan can look that up um, so after Black Rain, um, but the other the other films have all had nominations for various things. Not surprisingly, Blade Runner had best um, art direction and best effects nominations. Legend best makeup. You no can't real, argue with that. No real surprise. Um, as Dan's already informed us incorrectly, uh, Black <laughs> Rain was nominated for best sound and best editing. Um, but next on our list um, and another Oscar winner um, is Thelma and Louise from 1991. So, again, my Kex files seem to be embarrassing for me. This is my Kex file because I had not seen Thelma and Louise. I can't believe that. Hmm. No. So, Hashtag girl power. Yeah. So, coincidentally, I actually bought this for part for the uh, girl power podcast. Didn't get a chance to watch it. Luckily, Ridley we Scott Ridley came Scott up. We pulled Ridley Scott so out the next week. <laughs> I had that so. in the bank so I didn't have to even have a trip to Kex. Um, That's always a good thing as well. Yeah. It is grim in that place, but <laughs> I love it so. Um, so, yeah. So... I mean, it's about Thelma. It's about Louise. Um, 
it wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. What I did don't, you think it was going to be? I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't that. Because <laughs> the thing is, it's one of those things, when you watch an iconic film like this that you that has been out for, what, 20 years more? It came out in 91. So what's that, like 27 years? Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously been parodied a lot and ripped off a lot. I mean, my main thoughts on film movies before, I knew it was a rip-off, was obviously The Simpsons, mm-hmm. with Marge and the neighbour, where they go on a rampage. So I... Th- didn't I think what I thought was what they did was a lot worse because mm. obviously Louise shoots a man who's attempted to rape Thelma and then Thelma goes a bit mad and like does a robbery I thought they did it I thought there was some sort of killing sp- like Bonnie and Clyde-esque killing mm. spree and that's why because it to me it was a bit sort of like I mean is it spoiler territory if I talk about the end of Thelma and Louise 27 years it's been, it's been everyone knows the very ending of yeah. it, don't they it seems a bit much to drive over a cliff for. Yeah, but I don't think they drive over the cliff because no, of the bad things they've done. They're just sick of their fucking lives. Oh, sorry, they yeah. were sick of... They were, I mean, obviously, the thought for some for a bit of it was they didn't want to end up in prison and hmm. sort of live that life. It was like, I just don't know. Because it's like, when she shot the guy, it was a bit like, why didn't they turn themselves in? It didn't... For me, there didn't seem like a real reason to go on the run at that point. Hmm. And also, it didn't seem that obvious in those times that they would easily pin them as the murderers. Because it seems like quite easy. They go, oh yeah, it was those two women. Why was it those two women? Um, but I, I thought I really enjoyed Gina Davis's Thelma. I thought she was a great character. I feel like she had the biggest sort of sound wanky journey, arc, oh. journey yeah. slash arc. Because <laughs> she's she's obviously the moment she's the put upon wife. Mm. Uh, Shooter McGavin from uh, Happy Gilmore. Um, <laughs> And like it's about getting her away from the husband and Louise. Obviously, isn't having a great time. She's a waitress, and she's obviously having some sort of relationship with uh, Michael Madsen. Um, but it seems to be about getting Thelma away from it all. And mm. obviously, doesn't go quite so well at the bar. Um, but yeah, I th- felt she had a good. Obviously, the whole bit with Brad Pitt. Which reading up on that, that was like a highly contested part. George mm. Clooney auditioned seven times for the part of JD. Wow. And was rejected at all points. Uh, Christian Slater had it and had to turn it down. Why? For um, he chose another film instead. What did he choose? I can't Dan, remember. Look it up for us. Oh, no. 1991. Come on, you, you got the Christian fucking page Slater, open. 1991. Okay. Got the page open. Just look at the trivia on uh, Thelma and Louise. Is it on there? Yeah. How else would I know it? I don't know. You watch a film, you read the trivia. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really good, but possibly the expectation was set really high, so mm. I didn't love it. I just thought it was very good. But it so would have fitted into last, oh, yeah, the last in, episode. Because so immediately in my head it was like, oh, Thelma and Louise, power yeah. couple. I really like the bit where they like hijack the cop and it's like Louise is trying to talk it, trying to sort of play it cool and that's where when Thelma starts going mad and she pulls the gun on him, puts him in and then like the cyclist dude who's just like casually walking past this police car with the guy shot and he's like poking his finger through the hole. I did enjoy it, but yeah, it's just... It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and that, that jarred with me slightly. But you know, um, last episode when I talked about notes on a scandal, and I said I felt that Judy Dench and Kate Blanchett were equal leads, but actually, when it came to like award time, um, Judy Dench was nominated for best leading actress, and Kate was nominated for best supporting. But uh, for Thelma and Louise, they were both, they were both nominated actress, yeah. for. Um, best leading actress so they, they would I, have I fitted in yeah I don't perfectly. see how you could yeah pick. exactly they, they would have fitted in perfectly to um, for that episode so Thelma and Louise won um, an Oscar for best um, writing or screenplay I don't know uh, which mm. one it was um, I say the two lead actresses got nominated there was a best director 
a nomination, which was the first one for a film. Cinematography. Yeah. Say it right this time. It did time. look beautiful. And obviously um, the landscape. And editing. So the first one to get like a real mm. decent bunch of nominations, but only the one win. And that was for writing. Yeah. And again, as we said, uh, as I said earlier, Ridley Scott with strong female characters. Mm. Mm. Possibly some directors wouldn't have wanted to get near that film because obviously, especially in those times, strong women weren't there in cinema. So people might have veered away from it slightly. Mm. He he describes it as a comedy as well, which I find weird. And there's more on that later as well. <laughs> um, about films that he's made that he describes as comedies. Himself, not just um, awards. I think I know. Yeah, yeah. I think I know. What he describes think. this as a comedy. Um, and what I find really interesting about this is the first film that I've seen of his that's really kind of character driven as well. Yeah. So like this is the, the actors do the heavy lifting in this one. Mm. Whereas the others are about building a world and the actors yeah. just live in them. Yeah, this, this, this was like real world again. Yeah. It? And it, and it heavily focuses on the two main actors in the film to do most of the heavy lifting. Michelle Pfeiffer was original. I'm just reading it up now. That, yeah, that's no, there's yeah. a million, like so many actors. Because Gina Davis mm. was signed up early on and she wanted to be Thelma. Yeah. And they were struggling so much to do Louise. There was a talk at one point that she would become Louise and they'd find another Thelma. Mm. Which I can't see her as Louise. No. She's just Thelma. Hmm. Oh, and the uh, Christian Slater thing. The only thing I can find is... Pump up the volume. What? Is that what you just found? Or? No, no, I'm asking. Um, the character named Brad Pitt lost the role of JD in Heathers to Christian Slater. Oh. And Brad Pitt took the role of JD in this from Christian Slater. Oh, so, so they both a, took... So he stole it, he didn't yeah. have to give it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay. That's what it says on here anyway. I might be wrong. So, yeah. Sorry, I got confused. But other names in, uh, that were up for it. Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, Scott Baio, Christopher Scott Atkins. Baio. Yeah, can you imagine that? Christopher Atkins, Sean Penn. Uh, he Kevin, might have been all right. <laughs> he might have been more apt, potentially, in some of the roles in this film. But not for JD, though, potentially. Uh, Kevin Bacon, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Um, cool. <laughs> That ties, that, note. that ties in nicely to another film we'll be talking about <laughs> later. Um, right, are we done with Thelma and Louise? Do you like yeah. it, Dan? Love it. Yeah, Great film, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, yeah. isn't it? One of the better Kex files I've had. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Kex files all right this week as well. Um, okay, so then a couple of films that we haven't seen. 1492, Conquest That's of Paradise. That's about 15 hours long. Yeah. Um, also his lowest grossing film. Yeah. Um, White Squall, um, which hasn't got Val Kilmer in it. Think so. Is it? I thought you. And I've not him. seen it. That's Good God! I'd never heard of that film. It's in Mark Kermode's top five. Um, Seriously, is he in it? Shittest films ever. No, top five uh, Ridley Scott films is in his top. It's, it's wow. Yeah, so he loves it. But he says that. And it's it, got he's Jeff Bridges in it. Oh, I don't know. These men with heads—they all look the same. <laughs> Honestly, you all yeah. just look like white noise to me. No, it's not got Val Kilmer in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to have to hand him my membership card. I see where you got confused though. Jeff Bridges does look a bit Val Kilmery. Is he it? fat? Oh He's man. Not f- we've, ho- we've had this conversation. He was very <laughs> ill. He's lost a lot of weight. <laughs> I had to lube up that cockpit. We'll see. <laughs> Which cockpit we're talking about? No one knows. Oh dear. Um, okay, so moving on from two strong female leads, uh, we're going to talk about, well, someone's going to talk about, because I haven't seen it, G.I. Jane from 1997. So, yeah, so I sort of have vague memories of this at the time. I mean, I've... I thought you'd rewatched it. I don't know. I mean, as a child, when it came out, because obviously I would have been, what, 13, I have memories of like, seeing stuff about it. I've only just seen it. I hadn't seen it before. 
Obviously, it's got Demi Moore, or Demi Moore, however you want to pronounce it. Demi. Was it love at first sight? Sorry. What the fuck was that? It's my grease. Demi Moore, Demi Moore. Oh, <laughs> God. My head has just hit the microphone. You can't tell because it's so <laughs> well-sounded. I hate him so much. <laughs> if we pull a subject out of the hat, and it's one of the ones that Dan wants to do, he's going back in and we're having we a break. We've got two weeks on the trot. No. Um, so anyway, so this is about women in the army. Did you just hear Dan squeak then? No. Oh, is he off again? He just, he just, you heard it, didn't you, Dan? You yeah, heard yourself. No, no, I set myself yeah. off. That's bad. That. <laughs> right. Tell us about um, GI Jane. Yeah, she's about women in the army. There's like a, the, a senator for Texas. I think it is. Who's like really pushing that there should be more women in high places. Um, obviously, the men don't want to allow this, so they strike a deal where they'll let a woman into like the Navy SEAL training program. The men want to do it because it's the hardest one. It has like a 60% dropout amongst men. And the idea is that she just won't be able to take the course. She'll quit. They could say, we tried to have women in the army. Um, and for, for I can't really remember why, but Demi Moore's character is chosen. She's a bit of a, uh, slightly wrong term, but a bit cocksure in her role. People don't like her because she's a woman who speaks her mind and offers a separate opinion to that of the men Sounds in like the me. room. Yeah. Um, so she is chosen she takes up the SEAL training obviously Vigo Mortensen is in it as the trainer he's got a lovely moustache oh, has he uh, and slick back hair I think I've seen this film and he's a bit sort of not sure why she's there he doesn't like the idea that it's like a PR exercise because he's like a serious army man army is serious um, a lot of the other people in the unit don't like her because again they think it's just a, a thing uh, it starts off with them sort of treating her differently and like she gets because she's a woman, she has her own block because she can't share with the men because she's a woman. Um, and she gets treated differently for a lot of things. And in the end, she's just like, fuck this shit. I want to be treated as everyone else. She moves in with them. That's when she shaves her head. Um, there's a love Brittany. There's a lovely little sort of montage of her training and like really pushing herself. What song do they play? I can't remember. Is it as good as a Rocky montage? No, but she's doing like one-armed press-ups with her feet on chairs. Wow. Is it actually her? Yes. Have you read the trivia? No. Well, how do you know it's really her? You can then? see it's her. Wow. You can see her. Dan, you can see her. Full get the body trivia up. We want to see if that's actually Demi Moore. Because the only thing that anno- I might actually be impressed at something. The only now. thing that's annoyed is wrong with it was just a bit weird because obviously at that point Demi Moore had massive fake boobs, and when she's doing that, it's a bit sort of like I don't need to be seeing those in this shot. Surprisingly, there is no female nudity in this film. You'd have thought they'd have thrown some in, but again, Ridley Scott doesn't really tend to do like just using women for the sake of it no, and now that you've said that looking down this list of films there's not really is there no apart from one that we get to a bit later and there's another one that we'll get to a bit after that but yeah generally there she is in the shower and I think you see her bum and she shows because like Vigo's character comes in and I think he's trying to like scare her off or whatever because like I'm a man I'm in the showers what are you going to do and she just stands there and talks to him like stark bollock naked well again wrong term um, <laughs> stark boob naked um <laughs> And she just doesn't bat an eyelid, and it's it becomes a bit more political as the film goes on. I won't go into spoiler territory, but yeah, it's it's actually really good. Demi Moore is actually very good in it, like acting in it, because other films I've seen of her, she's not really acting. She's just mm. a pretty lady, like things like Ghost, etc. But no, I thought it was actually a, it was a surprisingly good film because I had memories of it not doing very well, and it being a bit of a oh, just a bird in an army. But it's actually I. Yeah. <laughs> but again Ridley Scott like Go treat, Terry Ridley Scott treating it properly again another director might have done something different with it it probably would have been boobs I would have loved it if you directed it. it 
If I had directed it. a bird it. in the army. <laughs> in the army or in That's the navy? That's what it would be called. That would have been the tagline I'd have called it. G.I. Jane, that bird in the army. Um, but I, I really liked it. Um, as I've been talking about the awards, uh, as we've been going through, she did win a Razzie for Worst Actress Seriously? for this film. Yep. I mean, she, definitely not Oscar-worthy, but I don't think she was bad in it. Oh. She had a lot of work to do because basically everyone hates her. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she couldn't already do a one-armed press-up. Yeah. She does look quite... Because who can? She did actually look quite muscular towards the end. I used to be able to. Did, um... Yeah, of course she did. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Did she, um... <laughs> as if you could do a one-armed press-up. Fuck off. I used to be able to. I don't believe that for one How second. How long ago? You can't even walk your car without How long ago? Eight years ago, at least. Fuck off. <laughs> you used to be able to, yeah. I don't, don't believe when it. When I was fit, I could do it. That was never a time. Fuck you! You're living right. in your fantasy We're getting land. off topic now. Um... <laughs> Did she look as fit as Linda Hamilton in the Terminator movies? So Linda Hamilton looks more like sinewy and more gristly, whereas Demi Moore. <laughs> Sorry, I snorted you know then. You know what I mean? She look rather she than looks mus- fucking awesome. rather than muscular. She looks lean, muscular. Whereas Demi Moore's like muscular, muscular. She's, she's got a bit more fat. Yeah, on her. Yeah, she's got muscle on. Whereas Linda Hamilton's just there's no fat on her body. If that makes sense. It doesn't, but I know what you mean. Yeah, thank you. you fucking idiot. Um, I wouldn't want to fight either of them. Do um, Dan, have you got anything to say about G.I. Jane? Have you seen it? Uh, years and years ago. I've, I I've, do think I've seen it. I know I said I wanted to watch it, Terry, but I yeah. actually think I've I seen think, it. I think it's one of those... It, I can imagine I a couple of years, I'll barely remember it. I think it's probably been on the telly, hasn't it? Yeah. And I've watched it. I think it's quite a forget, a decent film, but I think quite a forget. It's not really standout-ish. Um, right, so now we're... Um, getting into the big one I think in my personal opinion after G.I. Jane um, we've got Gladiator yeah it didn't do bad did it I think it did alright um, you know as films go um, I think it's okay and the start of the uh, two man show of Russell Crowe and oh, yeah. Ridley Scott they made a lot of films together yeah they did so what's that all about I assume they liked each other do you like Russell Crowe I don't not like him. I think, from what I've seen of him personally, he seems like a bit of a prick. But mm. I feel like not he's personally. a decent actor. I can't think of many films that he's been in that he's shit in. Do you think Ridley Scott loved his abilities to do accents? That was his. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no, no one does accents like Russell. Yeah. Um, we haven't got onto the best one yet. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> Gladiator. So I, so Russell Crowe is the Gladiator. He's called the Spaniard in the film. Is he actually meant to be playing a Spaniard? Spaniard. Um, I thought that was um, uh, Highlander, the Spaniard. That's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, when he becomes a gladiator, he is referred to as the Spaniard, and I wasn't sure. Maybe that's just the way he looks. Mm. I'm assuming so. Maybe, maybe that's just, just how they dark. got around the fact that an Australian the, man playing a Roman. The Roman Empire was massive at the time, wasn't yeah. it? So, uh, so, so they did well, take the, on the a lot start of, people, of the yeah. film is that fight is a war in Germany yeah. or Germania as it's called in the yeah. film to like bring peace to the empire and that's like the final battle against the savages of mm. Germany so yeah so it, it it was a fair old empire it's not it's massive yeah it was so so I, I think yeah maybe he is from Spain maybe he's actually yeah. Spanish but uh, you know when because he, he's never been to Rome so yeah. you'd have thought if he was Italian he would have been to Rome yeah, when you've got someone that can do accents like Russell Crowe, I'll yeah. just give it, I'll give the it a rest knows where he's from. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Such a great film, though. It changed so much in terms of... Uh, of it's another one of the, his films that's just been parodied to yeah. death. And like yeah. reintroduced the 
I guess they call them sword and sandal films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously you had a lot of them in like the 50s and stuff, but this reinvigorated that genre of film. Because after that we had like Troy and all those other mm. other mm. sword and sandal films. But this, I think, by far is the best. So obviously it starts with Russell Crowe's Maximus in battle in Germania. He wins the battle for mm. Caesar. It's not Julius Caesar, is it? Because that's just the title they give in this film. They call that's just the title they are given when they're in charge. They are Caesar. I think it's it's no. It's, I think it's Julius Caesar. Oh, it might it might be a different Caesar. I can't remember. Yeah. But played by Max von Sydow, who again pops up in quite a few Ridley Scott films, or at least mm. one other Ridley Scott film. <laughs> um, and he likes him more than his son. He wants him to take over when he dies. His son played again to perfection by Joaquin Phoenix, God, Commodus. Yeah. Which I don't know, because Commodus is a real person who was a real shit emperor who people hated and ended up dying hmm. a horrendous death. Whether that is... Because obviously some people refer to the toilet as a commode. I wonder if that's oh. like linked in any way. I thought, yeah, it was the first thing I thought of when I heard his name. Yeah. Um, so... Joaquin then finds out that that's what his father is going to do, that he's going to overlook him for the throne, and he kills his father and says to Maximus, join me. Maximus says, fuck off, because he basically wants to go back mm. to his back to his house with his wife and son, and uh, Commodus sees this as some sort of slight, so he has him executed, but obviously Russell Crowe escapes, and then races back to get to his house to save his wife and child but unfortunately it's too late and his wife and child have been hung and set on fire because hashtag spoiler alert we're, we're, we're in the first 15 minutes That's of the film here. I don't think it's really spoilers is it um, and then he's kidnapped and put into the workmanship of Oliver Reed's I can't remember his name I'm looking at now. Uh, who's like a Proximo Proximo that's it who is like a slave owner and he decides that he's going to turn him into a gladiator and then the film just follows him becoming a gladiator but I mean there's some great like speeches in this film obviously my name is Maximus Deridimus and I will have my vengeance in this mm. life or the next I've paraphrased that greatly because it's a very long speech but some great fight sequences in the Colosseums like the actual gladiatorial battles are brilliant great sort of chemistry between Commodus and Maximus I think mm. like the sort because they're like childhood friends but Russ but Maximus knows that Commodus has betrayed him and his father and yet I mean say Joaquin Phoenix is just a horrible horrible bastard in this film mm. truly horrible bastard but brilliant yeah, he's got my best my, fa- my, my best line he's got my favourite line in it as well you simply won't die I love that mm. it's so good it, it, it just I also like his line, am I not merciful when he's just admitted to having like, killed his father and yeah, killed yeah. so many other people? Um, but yeah, no, it's just, again, world building from Ridley Scott. You really believe that it's set in ancient times. So hmm. All of it, like the Colosseums. Apparently, they went to the real Colosseum and Ridley Scott was like, well, that's not fucking big enough. So the one <laughs> in the film is like ridiculously oversized compared to what an actual, what the actual Roman Colosseum looked like. You look bored, Sonia. No, I'm listening. Oh. But no, I... So I think this just is definitely. I think this is definitely Russell Crowe's best performance mm. in a film. Oh, God, I think yeah, he's I'd fantastic so. in it, even though, as we say, his accent isn't there. But then, it's not really a film where there's a lot of people doing accents. No. Everyone's talking in like Max von Sydow is basically talking in English. Joaquin Phoenix is talking in American. Um, I don't think it really matters. does No, it? it's not. They didn't go down the route of. I don't know if you've seen Alexander with Colin mm. Farrell, where he is obviously playing Alexander the Great, who's like Moldovan or something. Mm. So instead of making him do an accent, they made other people do a slight Irish accent. 
<laughs> to make it seem like that was normal, mm. which I thought was an interesting way to go about things. Yeah. When you consider that Colin Farrell isn't actually awful at accent. Um, it's, it's a genuine edge of seat film as well. And there's so many things they did in this film that had never been done before. Uh, it's, it's early days of CGI, like decent yeah. CGI. So having the tigers in there, obviously they didn't put Russell Crowe actually in it. That's the thing, because yeah. watching it back now, you assume it's CGI, but then reading it, they were real tigers. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, they just merged footage to make yeah. it look like he was closer to the tigers than he was. They built, uh, they pretty much built half a Coliseum. Yeah. To so and then filled it, and then there's this amazing uh, shot when they they he comes out into the Coliseum for the first time, and the camera spins entirely round his head, and mm. it was all done just by yeah cut and paste basically oh sorry yeah go um, on down and it, it just looks fantastic and it looks so real so visceral yeah. that the fight scenes are all genuine edge of seat yeah you, you it you really drags it when, you in yeah. when someone gets hit and someone or someone gets in it you feel it yeah it looks the whole film just looks brutal as well and the, the effects really hold up because I watched yeah. this like a couple of days ago on Blu-ray and mm. You can't tell that it's fake. There's some films that you watch now, and it's just oh my god, they're awful. But and obviously the first use of CG as well to like fill in plot holes. Obviously Oliver Reed decided to dive halfway through production. Dear Ridley Scott talks about that in an interview I saw, and he goes, well, "It's not a bad way to go, is it?" He started drinking at ten in the morning, and um, and just died in a pub basically. Because I I had memories of the time that he was like turning his life around, and he, but yeah. he wasn't, was he? He was still because apparently he agreed to do this film mm. because it was filming in London, yeah, and he could go and, and his contract stipulated that he wouldn't work past five pm. <laughs> so he every night he just went out on the piss in London, yeah, and Sounds that was amazing. That is why he made the film. Not because so someone he, who finishes work at <laughs> half past four, <laughs> <laughs> quarter past four. Fuck you. <laughs> um, not that he liked the script or he wanted to work with Ridley Scott, just that we had to knock off early and go down the pub. But yeah, the way... Because it's hard to imagine how that film... Because reading up on it, it would have ended with a fight with Maximus mm. and Proximo, where, like again, Commodus just wanted to fuck him over. He's like, you've got to fight your mentor yeah. and kill him. But obviously, they had to get rid of that, and they used like, body doubles and like footage from other cut scenes and put it in. It just works so well. It's hard to think of it not being meant to be like that because sometimes yeah. you watch it and you can just see that yeah. it's a cut and paste job but mm. it's just done so well yeah there's there's loads of bits where there's the I can't remember what the quote is when he's running into the arena for the first time and they had they had the audio but they didn't have the visual side of it so you see they managed to cut um, Lawrence Olivier is Lawrence Olivier God yeah no. Oliver Reed I'm thinking Fuck the wrong yeah, guy no. what am I thinking of sorry yeah I, I've, I do this with NFL players as well just completely <laughs> forget their names Oliver Reed oh, Lawrence Olivier <laughs> fucking hell uh, Oliver Reed it's the Oliver part of it um, they cut his face out of like another scene and but they do it so well the lighting and then he's just shouting it and, you, and it focuses on Russell Crowe running up and they add some echo effect to it mm. so it just works perfectly it's just such a good looking film isn't yeah. it and it's yeah. not one that um, I've seen it many many times I used to live with a massive Russell Crowe fan mm. so I've seen lots of Russell Crowe films quite a lot of times but let's be honest if you're going to watch a Russell Crowe film over and over you want it to be Gladiator so yeah. so cinematic as well yeah, yeah. just I wish yeah. I, I'd never I've never seen it at the cinema That's, this is another one that I'd love to see at the cinema yeah so Gladiator came out in 2000 so this was probably how old were you? 16 
Yeah, so I reckon this probably would have been... I was into films mm. then, but I probably wasn't going to the cinema. I might have seen Gladiator at the cinema, but I can't remember. Pretty sure we rented this from Blockbuster. But it'd be quite quite good if we could catch this one. Yeah, if this was a cinematic one knocking about... Which you was never it? know. I mean, 2000s. It's, we're it's coming 20, up for anniversaries. It's 20 and stuff, in a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. yeah, it'll probably have an anniversary show. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so this is the big Oscar winner. Um, not not surprisingly, um, without looking at my notes, which I know you both just have, do you know how many Oscars it won or was nominated for? Well, obviously Russell won, didn't he? Hmm. I'm assuming Ridley must have been nominated. You'd have thought effects. The score's amazing, so the score. Do you think it won score? How many how many Oscars so do you think you won? That's what we're at for. I reckon it probably won three. Um, I think there's probably a supporting actor in there as well. I would imagine. Oh, what, for Joaquin? Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I think he was definitely nominated, I seem to remember. How many wins do you think it had done? Uh, definitely one for Russell, didn't it? I'm going to go two. Okay, so... Oh, maybe more, actually, because the visual sound effects and then editing cinematography. Yeah, I'm thinking it would have done well in those yeah. ones. So, I'll go five, actually. Okay. Yeah. So there's actually approximately 25 um, Oscar categories, but obviously they're not eligible for all of them because mm. it's not going to win Best Animated Film, it's not going to win Best Short, it's not going to win Best Foreign Language. So I don't know how many it was actually mm. eligible for, but um, in total it was nominated for 12 mm. and it won five. So it won Best Picture. Mm. Um, of Best Picture. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what else it was up against that year. Uh, best actor, obviously. Yeah. Costume design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking. Like yeah. costume um, design, editing, sound, sound, and visual effects. So they're the five it won for. The others that it was nominated for was supporting actor Dan, mm. director, writing, cinematography, film editing, score, which you both said, and art direction slash set decoration. So kind of all the ones that you would yeah, expect. The big ones. It's not going to get any actress nods because there aren't really no, any. No, you've only got. Commodus's sister, whose so, name I can't even remember. So those, Nelson. So those two Don't are sort of like knocked out, aren't they? Yeah. So you've got two not two um, categories that we can write off straight away from that. So really, not a bad haul, five Oscars. All the, yeah, but 12 nominations as well. Mm. So of all the eligible categories it could have been nominated for, it's probably got nominated for mm. most of them, um, if not all of the eligible ones. Um, so yeah, so that was pretty do decent. You want, do you want to know what it was up against? Yeah. Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. Chocolat. Traffic and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's actually quite a strong year. That is, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Aaron Brockovich is fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's great film. Yeah. Um, and I think I mentioned that last you week, did, didn't yeah. I? I said if that had a ensemble, because um, she was very strong in that. Right, we've got Who anything? Who won Best Supporting Actor that year? Just to drag out your usage of your phone. <laughs> Hang on, I'll look it up if you guys want to keep talking. And about have you got it. anything else to say about Gladiator? Whilst we wait for Dan to. Uh, just that I really, really, really like it. Really like it. I might watch it again after um, having this little chat. Yeah. I wasn't going to. So again, this is another one that's got like an extended cut, which mm. I've watched it's that long when I was re-watching. anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it's like two hours 40, something mm. like that. So the one thing when we picked out this topic, I started, he doesn't make short films. Fucking, I was so livid mm. with you. Because like Legend... There was nothing I could quickly watch. The theatrical Legend, as Dan said, is only an hour and a half, but the yeah. one I watched was two hours. Um... Okay, so while Dan's just looking it up, we're going to talk about two more films. Benicio then we're going to break. Toro won it for Traffic. I'm not a big uh, fan of Traffic. Mm. I don't think I've seen. Oh no, maybe I've seen that. Um, any road up, right? So next, we're going to talk about two more films. Then we're going to break um, and come back with the rest of them next week. Uh, so next one on the list, I'm. I haven't seen. I'm really annoyed because I've. I actually own it and it's on Netflix. But I didn't get around to watching it. Black Hawk Down. 
Oh, I've seen it once. I've got a three-disc special edition of this as so well. So good. Is that in like the cardboardy case? Camo, the cardboard camo case. case. Yeah. Mm. So I'm not big on war films, <coughs> and I watched this. I was around someone's house, and I we talked about how I wasn't. And she was like, "You have to watch this film." Mm. So she made me watch Black Hawk Down. That's Mandy. Thank you, Mandy. Um, I thought it was good. Say, so war isn't. I think nothing really stands out to me for it, other than that it is fucking like loud. And again, like very visceral. You you feel like you're part of that team going mm. through that journey, and that's all I've really got to say on that. I here's what I like about it. Um, there was something I hadn't thought about until I, I did a lot of, of reading and watching people talk about Ridley Scott before this as well. And one of them was, as I've already mentioned, the top five um, Mark Mark Kermode's top five Ridley Scott films. And one of the things he mentions in it is um, how it's got all these massive actors in it for its time. Josh Hartner, it's got um, Ewan, Ewan McGregor. McGregor, and they all look very similar. So the point of that is that it kind They're of adds to the, heads, aren't yeah, they? but adds to the chaos of war. Hmm. So you don't know what you're watching most of the time. What I noticed about it when I watched Black Hawk Down is I that you got pockets of people in it in the film in different places, but the way he set out that world, and we talked about world building before. It, it, you can probably draw a map of where everyone is in that film and it works really really well and I, I think it's an excellent film for that reason I, d- I really yeah. really want to watch it yeah. I just run out of time because as Again, you say like the, films are, so, the yeah. films are so long um, he's, he's, a a one a, he's a one a night job you can't mm. knock two films out oh no fucking tell me about it I tried to I tried to get two in but I managed one and a half um, and I was drunk as well it's terrible um <laughs> So Black Hawk Down, um, two Oscar wins and a further two nominations. What did it win for? Let's have a look. Um, film editing and sound, and it was uh, nominated for director and cinematography. So at this point, he's racked up quite a few director noms without winning. Yeah. Hasn't he? Mm. Mm. It's an ensemble film as well. It's yeah, like, very, there's yeah. not a lead actor in that at all. No, it's, it's it's very good, and it's one of the few. It's one of that that two year period where Tom Sizemore was about to be a Tom Sizemore was about to be a massive actor before he just pissed it all up the wall and then got videoed having sex, sex with yeah, young people. Exactly. Yeah. Know about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he still in prison? I don't know. He, what, what happened? He had what did a he massive do? coke habit, so he did a porn video. Oh, yeah. That was like after he was like. Considered. Should we watch that in the break? <laughs> what well, the porn? Can video. we not? <laughs> We'll watch that in the it break. It directed by Ridley Scott as well. It's all right. We've got Dan's laptop here. We'll very watch visceral. that in the break. <laughs> we'll post it to Terry's Twitter. Um, a lot very, makes you feel very claustrophobic. Yeah, it's, it's in a tunnel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> um, it's lots of smoke. Just pokes his penis through. <laughs> With your stick. <laughs> um, right, anything else to say about Black Hawk Down? Um, no. Dan? Forgotten classic. This is the one that I think people forget about when they're talking about Ridley Scott but mm. it's I think really, it's probably really one of his most underwatched yeah yeah definitely I'd argue that 1492 is the most underwatched but anyway <laughs> of, or his, maybe big, of his big films yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I called it Black School it's called White School <laughs> you mix Black Raid and Black White School, school down. Yeah. yeah Black Hawk Down um, right so last one we're going to talk about before we um, finish this episode um, Hannibal I'll be honest I didn't realise he directed this <laughs> no, exactly. uh, it's, it's a very un Ridley Scott film purely for the fact that it's a sequel 
that he didn't have any hand in the first one. I can't. He hasn't done another film like that, has he? Mm. And obviously, we talked about this a little bit last week because Jodie Foster chose not to reprise her role as mm, Clarice. But we had we had different reasons why, didn't we? Yeah, I thought it was because she didn't like the script, and you thought it was because she didn't want to make films her daughter couldn't yeah. watch. Um, maybe Dan can clarify that for us whilst no we um, talk about it. Yeah, but you've got your phone out okay, in your fine. sweaty hands. <laughs> Um, so I actually really enjoy Hannibal. I know a lot of people don't. I, I think fucking love Hannibal. Why do you love Hannibal? I just, it's again, it's really dark. It's really actually, gory. Actually, there's loads of reasons why I yeah, like it. I mean, it. I think Anthony Hopkins has more fun as Hannibal in this film because obviously he's off the leash, basically, isn't mm. he? Because the first film, although he does escape, this is him out and about. It's a sequel, isn't it? It's not a pre- Red Dragon's the prequel, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's just him out having fun as Hannibal would choose to have fun. Having and some just, japes. Yeah. Is this the one where he's got like the guy up in the church tower and he like, cuts his guts open? Yes. And they like, mm. fall out onto the yes. path below. That's you like know? an old um, way of um, killing people. Mm. Yeah. because yeah, um, he, he talks him through the whole thing, doesn't mm. he? But no, I just... It's just... It's nice... Not nice, but interesting to see like a villain successfully being a villain mm. do you know what I mean like he's actually out he's not like he's not, almost not even doing it undercover he's just out and mm. out being Hannibal serving it to other people which I really like the dinner parties he had mm. and it's just nice to see not a villain winning but because most of the time when you see like oh like the Hitman films we're going to see the Hitman oh yeah but he's realised that what he does is really bad and he's really sorry about it whereas this is just Hannibal enjoying being a cannibal Um I um, Hannibal Lecter is one of my favourite bad guys ever and I'm a massive uh, Silence of the Lambs fan so and, I, and I've read the books and I actually waited for Hannibal to come out and um, I didn't love the book um, but the, and I was disappointed that um, Jodie Foster wasn't going to be Clarice Starling but um, I love this film because I love Hannibal as a character um, I love Julianne Moore um, so I, her Clarice is different but fine um, but Gary Oldman in it. Oh yeah, what's about to say? Is he in it? Fucking hell! So mm. he plays someone who survived a Hannibal Lecter attack. attack. Um, a brutal attack. Yeah, and he is. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, you, you and I both watched some gory shit. Um, and I can honestly say that Gary Oldman in that film it really like turns my stomach, and I really yeah. struggle. Uh, to complete. Actually, well, people use the term unrecognisable mm. in a role, but but really, there's no I, way you can know that was Gary I, Oldman. I struggle to look at look at him in that film because he, I just think he looks so hideous. I think mm. they've done it so so well because that could easily um, be over the top, hmm. yeah, and not. Like. When you know, and and one of the bits where I do think Julianne Moore um, plays Clarice really well um, is when she goes to interview him, and he's just like, you know, come closer, come closer, and she comes into the light, and she can see his cl- face clearly for the first time. But she, there's just a very slight mm. sort of like flinch, but she mm. doesn't really, she's not um, visually repulsed by it. She doesn't sort of show that she's repulsed. And I just think that Jodie Foster's Clarice Starling would have reacted exactly... Well, that is Clarice mm. Starling's yeah. reaction, but I'm... I thought Julianne Moore pulled it off really well. I had no idea it was a Ridley Scott film. Mm. No, I'd um, forgotten until I looked at his list when yeah, we for this podcast. I was, I was really, really surprised. If I'm honest, because I'm a massive... Um, 
um, Hannibal Lecter fa- fan, it's probably um, my most watched one on the list, along with Alien. Now that I'm looking at all the films here, because mm. I've I've seen Hannibal loads of times. Um, it's some proper fucked up shit. I got nominated for no Oscars. I do not understand how that was not nominated for a best makeup. Yeah. It was nominated for Is a handful of like really fucking shit like horror type yeah. awards. And even then it was I think there was one that was like maybe best song or some fucking thing that was Yeah, I I, I, I have again a memory that remember. it wasn't a well received film. I yeah, don't even remember um like the the awards it was nominated for because there was no like big awards but how something like that I, I, th- well, I think it's because it falls into the horror category mm, yeah. possibly I don't class it as a horror but um, is that the film with, where there's a scene with Ray Liotta as eating well eating his own brain right I wasn't going to mm. go into yeah. the spoiler territory so, yeah. of that but yeah ah. um, <laughs> but yeah I mean how that's not recognised if, if you in my opinion um, Gary Oldman's makeup is more impressive in this than it is in Darkest Hour it's just yeah, but like you say but suit. Darkest Hour is just a more Oscar film, mm. isn't it? Yeah, of course it, it is, because he's playing a historical character, but whatever. What I remember about Hannibal, I didn't watch it till years after it came out at the cinema, but the, the talk, 2001, I'd been 19, the people that I'd known that had been to see it had been to see it because loads of, of grotty stuff happens in it, rather than it's a sequel to Silence of the Lambs. People went to see it because they wanted to see the Ray Liotta scene or they want to see Gary Oldman um, it could be a standalone film yeah really good yeah. and it's, it's it's better than I think it gets any credit for yeah. that yeah. makes any sense um, the, I think it's better than the book I've never read any of the books so any of the books as in books in the world <laughs> no, no I've read no, that, yeah that's what I, I meant I haven't read yeah. any of the books the books yeah um, I I think the, the Gary Oldman makeup stands out because it's set in a relatively close to like the real world situation hmm. so it's not something you'd see if you saw that in in a in a, in a supermarket in a, <laughs> a supermarket, I was thinking yeah. little. I don't yeah. know why no, but if too. you saw that in if you saw that in um, let's say a Saw film for example it probably wouldn't have the same effect mm. um, and but, it would look a lot shitter yeah almost certainly yeah um, it reminds it, me of that lady who had her face bitten off mm. by a pet monkey but it's because they've because they've not overdone it that makes any sense mm. yeah. like it, it's still you look at it and go ah that looks a little too realistic for yeah. my liking it's yeah. a bit like oh Tusk oh god that fucking gives, Tusk that gives me the shit it and again, really does they didn't go like OTT mm. it's just real looking enough but not at the same time to absolutely give you the heebie jeebies yeah yeah I right. think we've mentioned Tusk before. Tusk is it great. makes my legs feel funny just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a feel good film. That's that. some fucked up shit right there. But that's for another day. That's for yeah. another podcast. We'd, I think we we'll just need to put Tusk in yeah. the hat. Just, uh, if you do Kevin Smith, let me know. Um, yeah. No, we never will. Just to spite you. <laughs> I don't think he's actually in the hat. He's not he, in Kevin the hat. Smith? I'm going to write it on a bit of paper now. Yeah, because yeah. that's definitely one I'd enjoy talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, completely fitting with the rest of his films, Tusk. Have you seen uh, that completely changing everything? Have you seen Red State? Yes, yes. Oh, that's fucking God, brilliant. I really love that film. Yes. Yeah. Um, sweet. Anything else to say about Hannibal? No, just to say. In I fact, completely I think forgot we, it was that Ridley. we both. Yeah, we all forgot. And it's one that I want to watch again now that mm. we've talked about. We all about forgot it was Ridley, and it's I think underrated. Yep. Yeah, very much so. Um, sweet. So we're all done for episode one. Yeah. We're going to come back um, next week. So we got up to 2001, so we're going to come back with films from 
2003 onwards up to present day we're going to start with my kex file next week Ooh, sweet actually a kex file that i like so for anyone who knows the films of ridley scott you'll know what film we'll be talking about next and what film was sonia's kex file mm. and um well here's a little interesting fact for you the next film came out in 2003 it's the same year that he was knighted I was, I was going to say, did we find out when he was knighted? Um, yeah, we did. And until you kept referring to him as Sir Ridders in our text messages, I actually didn't know he was knighted. I just thought you were calling him that because of your deep, deep respect for him. <laughs> I, I love everything about that, that you'll, you'll give him the respect of calling him Sir, sir but, they but you him won't him. say his surname. <laughs> I fucking oh, said that. So yeah. I said this, yeah. right, before, look at, look at my bit of paper. Yeah. What's it say at the top? The films of Sir Ridders. Yeah. The films of Sir Ridders. Yeah. I made this list at my mum. My mum's not very well at the moment. So let's send her some uh, get well messages. Um, she, so I went around my mum's today to sort of, you know, just make sure she was okay. And I said to her, do you mind if we watch a Ridley Scott film? And I was making the making the list like that. And she went, oh, Sir Ridders. And I went, yeah, I'm doing that because that will wind down up. <laughs> it doesn't wind me up. I love it. <laughs> it does. I told her about Totes Recall as oh, well. Oh, God. A Knight of the Realm. Yeah. Oscar winners. It's weird, like... Because I haven't really touched on like him as a person, but like these films we've talked about, like world building, mm. genre changing. He's from South Shields. He's a Newcastle boy. And yeah, it's yeah. just kind of odd to think of someone from there like changing yeah. the world the way he has. Yeah. And the fact that obviously his brother Tony Scott, God rest his soul, yeah. was also like an epic director as well. Mm. Just to think like two lads from South Shields. And you, and you look into it, it looks like Ridley Scott got Tony into films. Yeah. So like Ridley would like during the summer holidays would wake Tony up and then force him to go and make films with him and stuff. Yeah. Really, really cool story. Sweet. Right. Terry, do you want to do the social media stuff? Because I don't remember it. Yeah, so we are Theatrical Cut on the Twitter and Theatrical Cut Pod on the Instagram. We don't really use the Twitter that much, so follow the Instagram, follow the Twitter front, but don't expect a lot on there. Uh, we are theatricalcut at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us about films we've talked about, films you'd like us to talk about. If you want us to stick something in the hat, give us a shout. And as Dan's here, you can go through the mother pod. Oh, uh, Twitter, it's 2MTOOH. Instagram, it's TMTOOH. Facebook's Facebook. Slow down a bit, Dan. Yeah, fuck me, mate. Facebook.com. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook.com, it's. No one cares no, about Facebook. Facebook. It's, it's the Instagram and Twitter you Instagram, keep, right? it's TMTOOH. OOH. OOH, yep. Oh. Um, and on our pod this week, we're doing slash fiction, so that'll be porn. Fun. They're talking. No they're one written, needs to hear and they're Dan's talking about their porn. own porn. Oh. During the car journey, I heard the subject matter for his <laughs> slash did, fiction. Yeah, I'm told. I'm I told. don't. Please don't tell me because he started to tell me earlier, and I was like, please don't because my I vagina don't. is healing over. <laughs> There's no vaginas in my stories. I'm no, telling that's you that the right problem. <laughs> but there is a sex stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, there is. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope Dan's left that in before the credits. I was asking to make oh, no yeah. sense. For those of you who don't know, Dan requires a sex stick <laughs> because his penis is always flaccid. <laughs> right, um, I think we're done. Mike, drop. <laughs>